Christmas tunes going after Christmas? A couple people? Okay, I see. I see a couple. Okay, nice. Well, good. Not me. Not me. I'm, I'm kind of done with that after Christmas. I'm good. Um, I wanted to uh, tell you, I found a little story uh, about a guy, a historical figure, um, as I was preparing for the sermon today. And it's a guy, he, he was a French statesman by the name, I'm going to butcher his name, by the way, uh, it's George Clemencio is the best I could come up with, okay? Um, so he was actually the prime minister of France for two, two different terms he was prime minister. And uh, this was in the early, early 1900s. Well, this guy had a knack for rubbing people the wrong way, and he got into uh, more than a dozen duels with people. So I'm talking about literal, like you slap a man in the face, you pull a gun on him, and you shoot each other, that kind of duel, okay? So he got involved in over a dozen duels in his lifetime. And uh, one time he was at the train station in uh, Paris, and he had his assistant with him, and he ordered a one-way ticket to get to this duel, okay? And the assistant said, well, isn't that kind of pessimistic of you? You know, you're only ordering a one-way ticket. And Clemencio, he replied, well, it's quite the contrary because I always use my opponent's return ticket to get back. So this dude, he had some major confidence in his abilities, okay? And I, I'd like to think that I have that kind of confidence. I would love to have that kind of confidence in life. And, um, you know, we have a lot of doubt sometimes in our abilities as Christians, as Christ followers, and we get kind of pessimistic about our abilities to affect change in our lives, much less the lives of other people, right? I mean, because we're called to do that. We're called to change others' lives through the power of Christ. So are we really impacting people? Are we, are we really making a difference? Do we have the confidence to do that or have we just kind of given up because we don't believe our lives really matter? Or maybe that someone else could do it better, right? We kind of just leave it to someone else. Well, as I get older, I begin to realize that it's easy to lose confidence in your own abilities. And, you know, the, the value that you brought to your family, to your job, to, you know, maybe even the church kind of becomes obsolete, you feel like. And you might doubt your ability to reach anybody or affect people in positive ways because you're not a very confident person. Um, and I want us to take a look today at, at the life of Jesus because there were a couple things uh, that, I, that I saw in Scripture that sort of sustained Jesus, that kept his confidence level up in his mission and what he was called to do as he came here to earth. Um, so... I want to start, you know, by saying that there are a couple things that kept him confident that we can also apply to our lives as well that will sustain us and continue to make us confident as disciple makers for Christ. So the first thing that, that gave Jesus confidence that I want us to look at is there was a word spoken over him, a word spoken over Jesus. 
And one of the first passages that comes to mind when I think about, you know, someone speaking a word over Jesus is when he was being baptized in the Jordan River, all right? So he comes down to John the Baptist. This is in Luke chapter 3. He comes down to John the Baptist in the Jordan River, and he gets, he's being baptized, and the Holy Spirit descends as a dove. And, and the people hear the audible voice of God saying, you are my beloved son. I take delight in you. So this is God, the father, telling his son, I love you. I love you. And I take delight in who you are. Now, as a dad, you know, I can relate to this, and I hope you guys can too, that if you have kids, you want to encourage them. You want to tell them, hey, I love you. I take delight in you. You know, I love the little intricacies and the uniqueness of who you are. I'm proud of you. You want to encourage them. And God spoke that kind of encouragement over his son, Jesus. And I think that helps sustain him, knowing that, hey, my heavenly father loves me. He cares for me. And the crazy thing is, as much as God loved Jesus, you know what? He loves you more. Did you know that? He loves you more. Because he gave Jesus. He gave Christ as a sacrifice for us. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 says, God who's rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us made us alive with the Messiah even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. Together with Christ Jesus, he also raised us up and seated us in the heavens so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So God's gift of salvation was one of immeasurable love for you and I. So the love of the Father sustained Jesus through his ministry. And he knew God's plan was bigger than himself. And God's plan for you is bigger too. So we need to remember, hey, there's a word spoken over us as well as Christ followers. He spoke words of love and encouragement over Jesus just like he did for us. Look in 1 Peter 2, 4 through 6. He calls us his chosen and precious people. Holy, a holy priesthood that will never be put to shame. So we're chosen not because of anything that we've done. Right? There's nothing we've done that merits God's love. It's just the fact that he loves us. Even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So we can be sustained by the word that's been spoken over us as Christians and the church. We can be confident of what we're capable of as God's children. John 14, 12 through 14 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So the question is, we have God's love. We can be confident in the word that's been spoken over us, okay? But the question is, are you allowing Jesus to work through you? Are you asking him? to work through you and through this church. We have God's ear. We have the love of the Father, and he wants us to succeed in what we're doing as disciples for Christ. 
So we've got to be confident in that. You know, in uh, 1895, Albert Einstein had a teacher who told his father, it doesn't matter what he does, he'll never amount to anything. Speaking of Albert Einstein. And I can only imagine what Herman Einstein was thinking about walking home to tell his wife, Pauline, the news that their son was never going to amount to anything, according to this teacher, right? But we all know the story, and he didn't need to worry because within about 10 years of that happening, Albert Einstein was proving himself to be one of the most valuable minds of the 20th century. And his colossal intellect was already beginning to unlock the secrets of the universe. And in time, he became one of the foremost minds of our time. So that's not bad for a poor student. But what if he had listened to that word that was spoken over him, that he would never amount to anything? If he just decided, you know what, she's right. I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm never going to do anything great in life. We'd be living in a different world. So are you believing what the world is saying about you? Or are you believing what God is saying about you as a child of God? Don't forget that this church belongs to Christ. That under the power of Jesus Christ, he said he will build his church. It's not our church. It's his church. So God spoke to word. God spoke words of encouragement over Jesus, and we can be confident in our mission because we know he loves us, and he wants us to succeed in making disciples. So Jesus was confident because of a word spoken over him. We can be confident too. Jesus was also confident because of a word that was inside him, the word of God that was inside him. And when I think about Jesus having the word inside him, I I automatically go to when he was tempted in the desert. You know, you think about Satan coming to him uh, after he's been fasting, and Satan comes to him and tempts him three times. Well, what does Jesus do each time? He uses scripture, right? He uses the word of God to resist these temptations. And this is where he says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word of God. That's from Deuteronomy 8.3. So Jesus goes, goes on to use scripture to refute these temptations, and the word of God was in Jesus. And this wasn't because of some supernatural ability. Right? Jesus, when you look back at his childhood, we see that he was truly and genuinely interested in what the word of God had to say. Luke chapter 2, verse 46, it says, After three days, they, being Mary and Joseph, found Jesus in the temple courts. What was he doing? He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. For three days, he was sitting there listening to them. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I can't get my kids to sit still and listen for three minutes, much less three days. So it just goes to show that Jesus, hey, he really cared about what God the Father had to say. What What was his word? What did his word have to say, and how did it apply to his life? Okay? Now, how many of you would say, uh, show of hands, that you've been involved in church, maybe you've been uh, coming to church pretty consistently for about 10 years? 
10 years. Anybody? Okay, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people. That's great, okay. Well, let's just say you're good Christians and you come about 50 times a year to church, okay? Because I know most of you only take about two Sundays off, okay? So let's say 50 Sundays a year, you've been coming for 10 years. How many hours is that that you've been at church? About 500 hours, right, that you've been involved in church, that you've come and you've heard the word of God spoken, okay? So that's 500 hours. Now, if you then think about the fact that uh, in a college education, when you take a course, say you took a Bible course, in, in a semester you would spend about 45 hours that semester in the classroom for that one class, okay? So if you look at that, you're thinking uh, you can take that 500 hours of being at church and translate that into being in school having a course for about 10 semesters, 10 semesters of Bible education, okay? And that doesn't include, you know, if you're involved in other discipleship activities, V groups or, you know, personal accountability groups. That's just church, okay? So if you've been here for 10 years, if you've been in church for 10 years, you have about the equivalent of a college education in the Bible. That's kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? All that being said, just to say that, You have the word of God inside you. You know what God's word says. But the question is, is it it just here or is it here? Are you applying it in your daily lives? We have it stored somewhere. Is it changing our hearts? Do we see the need to grow spiritually? Do we see the need to help others grow spiritually? Okay? Because we have the most valuable mission on earth. And a lot of us out there are feeling kind of inadequate. A lot of us are feeling like we don't have the confidence to do that. But if we remember, there's a word inside of us. God's word is inside of us. It's going to encourage us. Um, There was a painter, an American painter. His name was John Singer Sargent. And once he painted a panel of roses, that was that was highly acclaimed by critics. And I've actually, I think we've got a picture of it that we can put up here on the screen. So this panel of roses, it was kind of a small picture, but he was offered a high price for it on many occasions. But he refused to sell it because he considered it one of his best works. And he was very proud of it. And when he was doubting his abilities as a painter, as an artist, He would go and he would look at this panel of roses and he would be able to tell himself, I painted that. It was me that did that. I had the ability to do that and it would bring him confidence again in his ability as a painter. Now, sometimes I think we need to do that. We need to come back to God's word and we need to realize, hey, we can have confidence in our ability as Christ's followers. We need to remember that God gave us a special blessing, a gift from the Holy Spirit, and that we're to use that to build his kingdom up, to build his church up, to build the others around us up and disciple each other. But sometimes we need to come back to that word that's inside of us because we have power in Jesus' name to accomplish the mission of discipling others. But have you committed yourself to God's word? Is it your daily bread? Are you taking time in God's word each day to see what he has to say to you? Deuteronomy 6, 
6 through 9 says, These words I'm commanding you today are to be upon your hearts, and you shall teach them diligently to your children and speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So this right here is telling me that, look, discipleship starts in your homes. That's the best place for it to happen. You know what? If you can't disciple the people in your home, you're going to have a hard time discipling people outside of your home. All right? Nothing gives you confidence like raising your children up and encouraging one another in God's word and giving you confidence to go out and do the same with other people, with your friends, with your coworkers. Okay? So, you know, I want to challenge you in this new year, if you're not spending time in God's word with your family, just take five minutes, five minutes a day whether it's, you know, in the morning before you head out, whether it's around the dinner table, whether it's right before bedtime, just take five minutes and you'll be amazed at what God's going to start doing in your family as you disciple your family. So we can be confident as disciples because of the word that's been spoken over us. We can be confident because of just like Jesus, there's a word inside of us. And then finally, we can be confident because of the word spoken about us. There was a word spoken about Christ. You know, Jesus upset a lot of people in the synagogue one day when he read a passage of scripture from Isaiah. This is in Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through, 20, uh, through 21. And it says, he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it's written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Well, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on Jesus. And he began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. They didn't like that. But Jesus, we can see what we can see right here in Isaiah. This was what was prophesied about him. This was the word that was spoken about him as the Messiah. Did Jesus fulfill that mission? I would say so. Okay. Jesus fulfilled the word that was spoken about him. And we're no different. We've been given the Holy Spirit, and we may be uh, the only Jesus that anyone ever sees. So it's our job to proclaim the good news of the gospel and to raise others up, to raise up another generation of disciples. You know, we see our mission in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, the great, great commission to go out and make disciples of all nations. And what's it say? that all authority on heaven and earth have been given to him to accomplish this mission through the church. Remember what Jesus spoke in Matthew 16 to Peter? He said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So it's Christ who builds his church. It's Christ who builds this church. Discipling others to build the church it's a supernatural endeavor, right? It, you know, we, we don't just have this organization here uh, because if we build, if it's something we build, that's all it's going to be. It's just going to be an organization. If you've come to our discovery class, 
we talk about the fact that we're not just an organization, that we're an organism, that we are a living body. We are called the body of Christ. You know, the human body experiences about 10 quadrillion cell divisions in its lifetime in order to construct and repair itself. That's, so that's 10 with like, I think, 15 zeros behind it. It's a lot, okay? So the body of Christ is just like that. We're alive, we're active, and it's our job to reproduce disciples within our body, within our fellowship. You know, I think Village Church is alive. I think Village Church is alive. I think, you know, we have a reputation for being active in our community. I don't think people could deny that. But there's new opportunities with the growth, right? We, ha- we have been seeing growth, so that's a good thing, right? The body of Christ should always be growing. So we have the opportunity then with people that are coming through our doors to build new relationships to disciple others. Discipleship happens through relationship. And a lot of that, a lot of that goes on in our V group ministry. Okay? And if you aren't plugged into a V group, you know I got to say it. You hear it every time that I preach, okay? If you're not in a V group, you need to get in a V group. If you feel like when you walk through these doors, People just don't know my name. They don't know what's going on in my life. It's because nobody knows you. You got to get in a V group. You got to make this big community, right? You got to make it a little smaller. You got to get in with a group of believers that can love on you, that can encourage you, that can say, hey, what's going on in your life? Not, you know, not just ask, hey, how was your Christmas, right? I mean, there's more to it than that. We've got to have relationships with people if we're going to see change happen. And we've seen some of that growth, but we've got to get people involved in the discipleship process. And I like to, I like to take that passage of scripture from Isaiah uh, that, we, that Jesus read about himself and, and take out the word me and put in the word you, right? If we do that, it says the spirit of the Lord is on you. Because he has anointed you to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set free the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If we're going to disciple other people, we've got to have confidence in the word that's been spoken about us. You know, being loved and being believed in sometimes is the only thing that people need to turn the corner in life. And did you know that it's not just you, if you're, a, if you're a follower of Christ, who believes in God, but it's God who believes in you. He believes in the mission that he has for you to accomplish as a disciple. And he wants us to make disciples of others. And I guarantee he's called you to things that you never thought you were capable of. But if you trust in the fact that there's been a word spoken over you, a word of encouragement, a word of love, if you trust in the fact that, hey, the word of God is inside me, that I can do something with that, then God's going to do great things. You know, I love the passage from Romans 8.31. It's on the back of our children's choir t-shirts. It says, if God is for us, 
who can be against us? If God is for us, there's no stopping us, right? We can accomplish that which he's called us to do. So in closing, I have to ask, are you confident in who God's made you to be? You know, if you've trusted Christ, then what's it say? You are a child of God. You're a child of God. And when we look at what's been spoken about Jesus, we see how it applies to us as disciple makers, as the church, as Christians. And when we use the word of God that dwells in us, and when we believe that word that's been spoken about us, we can have confidence. Despite any feelings of inadequacy or defeat in our lives, we've got to put those notions out of our head and trust in who we are as God's children, as disciples who make other disciples. We can do that.